It's a tremendous, tremendous honor for me to have been asked to be here with you, to be to speak to you guys. I mean, especially in the presence of my Rosh Hashiva Rav Hirschfeld, also of Kwas, who, in addition to now, I mean, being an extremely close friend, um, actually was my Rebbe here in Yeshiva when I was here. And um, it's just really, 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 I'm really, really honored. It's, it's a real gift to, to have been asked to be, to speak with you guys. Um, I wanted, I have so much, so much, so much I want to share with you guys. And we have obviously uh, a, a few minutes together. So I really want to first start by, you know, I thought to myself, you guys are going to, I'm going to be standing up here in front of you guys, and you guys are going to be asked, well, you know, okay, very nice. Who's this guy? You know, he, Moshe Braun, he, he, they, you know, he, they, they say he learned here in the yeshiva, you know, like 25 years ago, but, you know, what, how can I connect with him? So maybe, I hope, maybe, I'd like to share just for a few minutes at the beginning, just a little bit about myself, a little bit about my journey, and um, I hope that will help us to connect to one another. So um, I was just speaking with Benjamin, right? Benjamin, and um, he mentioned, also Rabbi Herschel mentioned, so I went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, I studied art. Anybody here an artist, musician, performing arts, visual arts, creative arts, anybody? Okay, yeah? What, what do you do? Yeah, very good. I still think I saw another hand over there. Also, okay, very nice, okay. Draw pictures of oxen on the whiteboard. <laughs> 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 That's very good, very good, very good. Okay, I like that. That's good. All right. So I went to the school of art, um, and I studied. You know, I've been a, I've been an artist all my life, and uh, my parents encouraged it as I was growing up. I was, was in, went to public school all my life, and it was always art class, and I was always involved in art until I got to the high school where I was in. You know, really like in the upper. You know, echelon, I mean, you know, honors art class, okay, six students, but still. Um, but then when I got to Ann Arbor, so I went to art school. I went to the School of Art in Ann Arbor. And when I got to art school, all of a sudden I found myself in and amongst uh, everybody else who had been in the honors art program. And it was the first time in my, in my life, for up until then, my art for me had been like the back of a chair. Right, you, you. What's the back of a chair? You, you need to try to. You need, you need to to sit back on something to give you support when you're when you're going through something. We're going through life. That was my art. It wasn't just a hobby. It was more than a hobby. But then I'm in art school, and I have, now I'm really having to work hard, and I'm really, really being pushed. And I don't know if any of you know anything about art school, but um, first of all, it's not nine to five. You could be in the studio. And in the, my first year when I was in Ann Arbor. I pulled exactly, on average, but more than factually, every single week, at least one all-nighter in the studio, all all night. It was on uh, North Campus, right? And uh, I would uh, stay up all night working on projects, trying to finish. I couldn't get back to my apartment because there was no bus service. So I climbed up on one of the tables. I took my my coat. You know, it's Michigan, you know, so it's like a little cold. I put my coat over me on the wooden table. And I fell asleep for a couple hours until the sunlight came through the big windows and woke me up. And I was able to go back to over to my apartment because it was a different part of the campus. Anyway, the, the point I'm getting at, and this is what I want to share with you guys, is that 
One of the first steps in my journey was that it was the first, within three months of being in art school, I started to get burned out. I'd never gotten burned out from art before. Never, never. And all of a sudden I find myself getting burned out. And I'm, like, I'm in the studio seven days a week. Like what's, you know. It, so I come from a family that I would call like conservative traditional. Okay, when I say traditional, I mean like the, the classical. Any, any, you know, those of you from the Midwest, not so much now. But Rabbi Hirschfeld certainly, I'm sure, you know, will, and Rabbi Kwas will uh, will remember this. But from like in the Midwest, and also sort of coming from sort of from like I don't know Cleveland to Detroit, going to like Denver or Salt Lake City, there was this there was this um, type of a shul that was called traditional. Okay, so traditional was sort of like conservative, but it was like a like a like a like a right, we'll call it an orthodox tefillah. Okay, anyway. So that was kind of the family I grew up in. We went to shul. We had a Jewish identity growing up. Um, my mother kept kosher. She kept a kosher home uh, in the house. And um, so for me, it was like it wasn't it wasn't a house that conducted itself, let's say, according to you know halacha, so to speak, as we know it. But we had a very very strong, very strong Jewish identity. So when I got to Ann Arbor. Um, and I was already beginning to become more interested in connecting with my Judaism. When, I, when we got to Ann Arbor, let me take off my watch so I'll try to pace myself. There, okay. When, we, when I got to Ann Arbor, um, I wanted two things from the very from the outset. I wanted some semblance of kosher food because that's how I grew up. I mean, in the house, in the house, and I wanted some semblance of, of, of Shabbat because every Friday night. No matter what was going on, we always, my father, my mother lit Shabbos candles, my father made Kiddush, and we had to be home for Friday night. We, we could go out, you know, do whatever we wanted after, after, after dinner, after, after the meal, but we had to be home Friday night. So that's what I wanted in, in, in Ann Arbor, same thing. So I went to Hillel, and they had a very, very active Hillel there in, in Ann Arbor. Uh, my, to my knowledge, I still do. I think there's even more going on now on campus. I'm sure, you could probably, I'm sure you can attest to that. Um, so I sought out Friday night dinner, and I sought out kosher food. And what happened was, is that year that I got there as a freshman, that was the year that they tore down the Hillel House to rebuild it. So all the programs of the Hillel House were being scattered all over different parts of the university. So it just so happened that my dormitory, um, Markley, my dormitory housed, they brought the kosher food meal plan to my dormitory. So that meant that every night was night. Was I? We got together for dinner. Uh, a few students, a few probably ten, twelve, fifteen, and we ate together on one corner of the dormitory, uh, the kitchen, one corner corner of the of the cafeteria every single night. So I noticed when I got to meet these different students, some of them were coming from Detroit and Chicago, and they were coming from. We'll just say for. You know, for lack of a better term, I don't like to use new labels, but we'll just call it a modern Orthodox background, okay? There were people who, as I began to get to know them, I saw that these people, gosh, these guys, they weren't studying art, but they were studying either engineering, they were studying like liberal arts, or whatever they were studying. But these guys, they were also, you know, I was with the, you know, artists who were very accomplished for where they were. Excuse me. And these students also, were very, very accomplished in their different studies, but I noticed that they were keeping Shabbos. You know, now, I, I, I knew enough to know what that meant, and I began to notice, and I began to think to myself, you know, they're, they're doing very well in their studies, and they're keeping Shabbos. Maybe, 
I should, you know, I'm going because because I was getting burned out. So maybe I should begin to stop going to the studio as much on Shabbos. Maybe I should connect a little bit more with Shabbos. And so I did, and that's what spurred me on through my journey as all four years in Ann Arbor. And during when I was in art school, which is an environment that's like, you know, art school is a pretty open, you know, that's sort of like the frontier of in some, some circles of like open society. But it was, it was actually what, what brought me to connect much more with, with, with who I was as a Jew and asked, and caused me to ask a lot of questions. Okay. Now, I finished university and, um, I want to start working in industrial design. I moved back home to be with my parents, who at that point were living in Chicago. Okay, I grew up actually all over the United States, but they were living in suburban Chicago. Anybody from Chicago here? Chicago? Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. So, okay. So anyway, they live in, a, they moved to a town which was um, called Winnetka. Now, Winnetka is along Lake Michigan, and um, the closest shul was their conservative shul, which was a four and a half mile walk, okay, each, uh, each, each way. And um, that's why I started to go. I wanted to keep Shabbos, and that's why I started to go. So I, I went there, kind of stood on the side. Very, very soon after that, uh, within a few months, um, a brand new Chabad minion, like a Chabad house, was really the beginnings of that, was starting. They asked me, they asked me if I would be one of the ten. And so I, um, I said, of course, yes. And so I started walking there. You know, there, it was about the same distance every Shabbos. So I'd walk four and a half miles there and be with them, and then I would go home. And, um, and so forth and so on. Um, I started to work in industrial design. There's a, there's a lot I'm gonna I gotta I wanna move because I don't I, the the I started to work in industrial design and um, at the same time I didn't know anybody in Chicago. I came to Chicago. I didn't know anybody, and I started to meet people in the community. And um, uh, one of the things that happened is I began to meet more people in the community because I wanted to try to learn, okay? So, you know, I don't know if this is going to sound familiar to anybody sitting in this room, but I'm trying to learn, and I feel constantly more and more like I'm hitting a glass ceiling. Meaning what? I didn't have the skills to learn. I wanted to learn, but I didn't have the skills to learn. So I'm learning with this person, learning with this rabbi and this Chabad rabbi and this rabbi from like Gouda and I don't know, different, different situations. And at the same time, my business partner, because I got involved in a startup company, being the design end of this startup company to produce a new type of uh, walk, uh, device, uh, walking stabilizer device. My partner was going to handle, he came in with the idea and he was going to handle the marketing and the sales and I would handle the design and the prototyping and so forth. Anyway, through him, and he was uh, from, from Skokie, which is a, an observant Jew, and he put me in touch to become an NCSY advisor in the Northwest, Northwest suburbs, which I took, which they, they hired me for the job. So, that I, so I worked in the startup company during the week, you know, during my weekday, and on Shabbos and at night and so forth, they taught Hebrew school, and I started to work for NCSY, and I ran a chapter and so forth. And I became just, it was, it was an excellent, it was excellent for me because it was, it allowed me to give and allowed me to be involved in the community and to give to the community. And the more I gave, the more I wanted to study, the more I wanted to learn. And the more I wanted to learn, the more I realized that I didn't have the basic skills that I really, really felt that I needed. And 
At that point, one of my fellow NCSY advisors, who was an alum from Chappelle's, Gabriel Mayrowitz, Gabriel Mayrowitz, um, and also another person who I met later, subsequently, he started, he started saying to me, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to go to Chappelle's. You need to go to Chappelle's. And we started talking, and we, you know, and then, okay, fine. So, I had that in the back of my mind. And then, one, and then I, then, and then I got, then I, I met my wife, who, her family was, was, was one of the families in the shul in the northwest suburbs where I was an NCSY advisor. And we got engaged. And now here I was, you know, in Chicago. We were gonna, we were gonna get married in about five months. And in the middle of my engagement, I started to have some business, some differences of opinion with, with, with my business partner. And it, and at the same time all that this was happening, I had these voices in my, I had this influence in my head saying more and more, you've got to go, you've got to go to learn. If you don't go now, you're never going to have this opportunity. So I, when I, once I had, but I didn't know what to do because I was in this startup company and, and, and I put a little bit of whatever money I had, I put something into it and I, you know, I, I felt to myself, how can I leave? I can't just leave. But when I had differences of opinion with my partner, then I felt, you know what? That's it. Okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna. This is gonna be my. Uh, it, it made sense for both of us to leave, so I did. And the, and the next day, uh, I went to go knock on the door of Skoki Yeshiva, which is Skoki Yeshiva. I don't know if, if you've heard of it, but Skoki Yeshiva is, let's say, it certainly at the time was the main yeshiva in Chicago, um, not just in Chicago, but I would say spanning from a very, very wide range in the Midwest, the Midwest of the United States. So I went there and knocked on the door, and it just so happens that um, at the time, the dean of the students happens to be, uh, was actually, was, was, was Rabbi Hirschfeld's cousin. And um, so I knocked on the door, and a friend of mine from NCSY made an introduction for me, but basically I said, listen, I'd like to come and learn. So I'm thinking to myself, great, yeshiva, fantastic, learning, it's, what, what a great, you know, I, I can't just pick up and go now to Israel because I'm engaged, you know, we're trying to work on planning a wedding and so forth and so on, so I'll go to yeshiva in Chicago. Well, they were very nice to me, but they said, listen, we, we don't have a program for you. You know, this is like a regular yeshiva, so this, we don't have a program for you. But they said, so they said, but you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll help you. We'll, we'll, we'll take you. We'll make a program from you. So for, for, we'll make a program for you somehow. And I just I want to tell this story because I think it's really fundamental to my journey. They said to me, come back, I don't know, the next day or whatever it was, come to my office. So I go to Rabbi, his name is Rabbi Eisenberg. I go to Rabbi Eisenberg's office, you know, big office, big lots of farm behind him and so forth. You know, it's a, for me, my, where I was coming from was a little, little intimidating. But I go in. He said, "Come sit down." He said, "What, what are you, what are you studying right now?" So you know, I was studying Gemara. I was studying Gemara Brachas twice a week or wherever I was studying. He said, he pulls it out and he puts it down in front of me. He says, "Listen, the Rosh Hashiva is coming in. He wants to, he wants to give you a, a test. He wants to give you a test." So I'm like, what? You know, like, you know, Roshifa walks in, you know, beard, you know, hat, and so forth, comes, sits down. He says, okay, um, open, op- op- open the Gemara. I opened the Gemara to where, to where we're at. I think it was the second parak. He said, read. So I start to, it's the two of them. Okay, and I had never been in this type of setting before. Okay, it was like a little bit intimidating. Okay, I was, you know, it was 20, 
24. I was 24 years old. You know, I've never been in a situation before. I read. I try to struggle through it. I, expl- I read the Mishnah. I try to I explain the Mishnah and so forth. And as I begin to almost start to get to the Gemara, the Rosh Hashanah, he holds up his hand and he says, he, he, takes the, he takes the Gemara, he closes it, he gets up, he looks at me, you'll start tomorrow. And with that, he walks out the door. So I'm like, you know, thinking to myself, start tomorrow, okay, I want to start the, I, I got some things to do, maybe I'll start in a month, and, you know, I'm thinking, I, I, I start tomorrow, you know, and it wasn't like I lived, like, around the corner from the yeshiva, it was like a 20-minute drive at least. Anyway, so I, Rabbi Eisenberg can see that I'm, this is going through my mind, maybe I verbalized something, and this is one of the first things I want to share with you. He, he said to me, and I'll never forget it, and I say this to my to our children, I say this to, I say this many times, he said to me, Listen to me, I will tell you something. Because he could see it was challenging for me. He said, the hardest part of learning is just opening the safer. Meaning, the hardest part of learning, the message was just making a time to sit down and learn. So that's the hardest time. That's the hardest part of it. And it has always stuck with me. And it's, there's no question in my opinion, it's true. It's very, very true. So I so I started Nishiva, and Nishiva literally made it made a program for me. I, I, I it was all Hashkacha Pratis, right? It was it was divine providence that um, there was a, a young Bachar who was younger than me, a student younger than me, about two three years younger than me. He was in the, the main base medish program. He needed a break, so 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 they so they offered him, would you come and and sit, you know, with 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 with, with Moshe Braun, you know, uh, the entire morning seder. He said, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, yeah. So we sat the entire morning Seder. We learned Chumash, Rashi. We learned Mishnayos. We learned Kitzur Shulchan Okay, that was what we did for the morning Seder. And then in, and, and in the afternoon Seder, I made chavrusas for myself. One in Ivrit, one in, uh, I think I learned actually with, 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 with Gavriel Maros, we learned, uh, we learned Seviyon. I learned some different things. I set up different chavrusas with myself and I worked hard. It was a very challenging atmosphere to be in coming from I wouldn't exactly say I would. I wouldn't exactly say the corporate world because I was in a startup company. It was two of us in an office, but still, I was dealing with with people you know much older than myself, and I was giving them my designs. I was dealing with prototyping and manufacturing, and now I'm going into yeshiva where I'm sitting with guys who are much much younger than much younger than myself, and it was it was it was challenging, but it was the but it was the best thing that I could have ever done, and and so much so then we got married and I. Um, I uh, I was able to go into uh, into the, the the base level shear in the base medrash the following year, and then we were there for another year, and then we came to we we, we came to Chappelle's. Now during that time, Rabbi Hirschfeld came to Chicago. We sat with Rabbi Hirschfeld. We met with him. We spoke with Rabbi. I spoke with Rabbi Karlinski on the telephone. And when we came to the yeshiva, we, we we came when our son, with our first son, who was then at that point six weeks old, it was the first grandchild on both sides. It wasn't so easy for our parents to, you know, let us go, so to speak. Um, but uh, um, but we did. And when we got to the yeshiva, we had, you know, suitcases. We arrived at the yeshiva at the door upstairs. Um, we knocked on the door. Two, 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 two of the bachram, you know, here in the yeshiva, let us in. And we moved, we went right downstairs into one of the apartments downstairs. And we had just the things we brought with us. And the yeshiva loaned us a, a, a crib. And we had, you know, the, the furnishings that were there. And um, 
we didn't we we didn't have very much. We had to go out and buy a few dishes. We we had we had the basics that we needed. We didn't even have pillows. We had we came with one set of linens, and I don't know why, but we didn't. I don't know if we didn't know to ask the yeshiva for pillows, or I don't know what happened, but we didn't have pillows, and so we said, you know, okay, we'll just take our sweatshirts that we brought with us, and we literally stuffed them in the pillowcases. Those are our pillows for a number of months, and we until we got a few boxes from Chicago that we had sent. But but and this is the next message I want to leave you with. Listen, I want to give to you, which is that we had the most basic of the basic. But we had everything. We had everything we needed. Everything we needed, we had. And it was such, it's such a, it's such a, it taught me something, which is it's such a powerful, I'd use maybe the word empowering. My wife tells me that that's not really a word, but okay, whatever. The point is that it taught me that in life, keep, in, be, comfortable when when you have enough when you have the basic things that you need and it's something that's within something that you can handle it's such a beautiful comforting feeling and it and it, it was such a beautiful way for us to start our lives here in not just in yeshiva but in israel yeshiva for us was like a merkaz what they call it, an absorption center merkaz klita here in israel now during the time when i was in yeshiva Okay, I, I got six minutes left, so I gotta I gotta move a little faster. I'll just basically when during the time that we were in the yeshiva, so I really wanted. The more I learned, the more I wanted to like become go into you know like become a rabbi, become a rabbi, become a, a rabbi of a shul, become a teacher, something of that nature. And one by one, each one of my rabbeim and mashpiim and different people that I you know consulted with independently said to me, "Use your art." Use the gifts that the Kodesh Baruch has given you. Use those gifts to connect with people. Because here I was an NCSY, NCSY advisor, and I really, really was enjoying it. And one of my, one of my rabbim in Chicago, I, I spoke to this about, and he said to me, and again, this was, this was the advice for me, but he said, you have your vocation, you can have your avocation. Meaning, for you, you have your art, that can be your vocation. Your avocation would be, let's say, your work with the community work and so forth and so on. Okay, that was, he told me then, and it always stuck in my mind. So one by one, my rabbeim told me, they said to me, use your art. Find a way to use your art. So what happened was, for our wedding, I made our ketuba. Meaning, I had never made one before, but I, made, I did all the calligraphy and I did all the artwork around it and so forth and so on. So my harusa and Skoki asked me to make his and then someone else in Chicago asked me to make one. So when we came to the yeshiva, that was something that I, I brought some art supplies with. And somehow, you know, I don't know what one of the guys, one of the guys who was getting married not so long after found out that I did that. So he asked me to make him the ketubah. And then it began to start that people asked me to make their 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 ketubot. So I made them original pieces one one by one. And it just began to start. Then people asked me in Chicago. They heard about you know, I, I did, it was all word of mouth. But I began to use began to use those skills, and what happened was that I met when I was back in Chicago about nine months after we were in the yeshiva. I met with a senior industrial designer, a person who had been in industrial design for like industrial design. By the way, for those who don't, know, it's product design. It's like a combination of art and stylizing and working with with 
designs and colors and materials and so forth with like mechanical engineering. For example, like automotive design or furniture design or, you know, appliance design or, you know, whatever. So it's sort of like that combination. So he was, um, he was Jewish. Um, we'll just say not particularly maybe affiliated, like on an external level, so to speak. But uh, he'd been in the, he'd been in the field for like at least four or five decades. So I went with my portfolio of all my industrial design things. And I went to go meet with him. I remember this is the summer after being in Yeshiva for about a good nine, ten months. So I go in and meet with him, and he was very, very nice to me. And he went through all my, we went through all my things. Said, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. Okay, it's good. You have to learn computers. And you, then, at the, in the back of my portfolio, I stuck in a few pieces of um, things that I had been done, so, some some you know, Judaic art. And he said to me when we we're about to close, about to close up the portfolio, he said, "Wait, wait, wait. What, what's the, what are those things?" So I said, oh, that, oh, these things, are little things, I've been, just been sort of, you know, I didn't say dabbling, but these are, oh, I pulled them out, and I started to explain to them, as, as I pulled them out, I put them on the table, his eyes got wide, and he's looking, he's listening to everything I'm saying, I'm explaining the pieces, oh, this is a bracha for, for Hadlakot Nerot, you know, for Hadlakot Nerot, you know, for lighting Shabbos candles, this is uh, this, this is a picture, picture of Ksuva made, this is... <coughs> And as I told him more and more, he just looked at the pictures, he looked at me, he looked at the pictures, he looked back at me, and finally said, said, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be doing. This is, this is using your skills that you have, and, and the explanations, and the teaching, and so forth, the, the human, the interaction, said, this is what you should be doing. And that was the tipping point, as they say, for me to really push myself to go and to begin to really, really work on my artwork. You know, and even a more ser- in a serious, serious way, and also at the same time. Then when we came back to Israel, I started to learn to become to become a sofer. I studied uh, safras here in Yerushalayim, and I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate again, just ashkacha protest that I the course that I took was an excellent course. I learned later not all courses are the same, but I was very fortunate because the rov who taught the course, we spent a th- good two thirds of the course on learning halacha. And the, and the third on practical to learn to become a sofer. You know, as a sofer is not exactly the, you can't learn to become a sofer at the University of Michigan, obviously, right? It's a one-on-one type of a thing. It's a, it's a mesora that you're learning that, that obviously goes back and it's very critical. You have to learn it from a really, a really, really qualified person. I was very fortunate that the P, and this is the next thing I want to share with you and I say I'm going to have to wrap up soon, which is that I was very fortunate, I've been very fortunate to have tried and been able to access people older than myself with much more experience, whether it's Rebbeim, people in the field in art, certainly people in the field of Safras, in different situations, to go to, to speak, to ask their advice. Again, whether it's for myself personally, whether it's for my work, which in a way is personal, but also for myself, for different things. So this is one of the things I want to I also share with you. Um, which is always make sure don't be bashful find people that you connect that you can connect with people who are older people who are wise people who have more experience you have nothing to be afraid of the opposite the opposite they have they've gone through things so part of their going through things is that they've gotten to a higher place but also part of their mission in the world is to also to, to give to you is to answer your questions to give you guidance and so that's just something I want to also just you know make sure to to put to to, to put in there now i want to fast forward 
Now, and this is maybe the where I'm gonna, we're gonna sort of bring things together. I want to fast forward now. We've been in Israel now, like River Hirschfeld, like we were speaking about, since the, since the fall of 1995. Okay? We came when our youngest son, like I said, was six weeks old. Okay? He's now 27. He's a father of his own. He has two, he has two little, two little children. And, um, when we were, we were living in, in Jerusalem, we were living in Yerushalayim for close to five years. And we got to a certain point where we realized, you know what? If we're going to stay here, which of course we wanted to stay in Israel. We already made Aliyah you know, formally and, and we were here. But I said to my wife at one point, I said, you know, living in Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim is a beautiful place and, and there's no words to describe Yerushalayim, obviously. You, you guys know that. But I didn't feel that I was being able to give. I didn't feel that I was feel I was just taking. And I said to her, if we're going to stay here, we have to find a place, a community we can go to, to give. So some of our friends, we're very fortunate, a number of friends from, our, from, from my time in Yeshiva who stayed in Israel. And some of them were starting to, we looked at many, many different communities, many different communities. Unfortunately, some of them began to move to uh, Ramat B'Chemish, which was just... You guys have heard of Ramat? You've been to Ramat Bichem? You heard of? Ramat? Okay, I reckon I know you've been. In our, you've you've done right. You've done right, 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 right next to me. Um, so Ramat Bichem was like this little community was really really just beginning. So we went and we looked, and between the the combination of friends of ours that were there and his proximity to Yerushalayim, I wanted us to stay. We want to stay in Yerushalayim because proximity to I think partially proximity to the social circus that we had here, but also things connected to my work. It looked like the right match, and we were able to. We, we, we found the house, and we were able to purchase the house, and uh, that's where we've been ever since. And what happened was, in those days in Ramat Beit Shemesh, the shuls, the, the shuls, the synagogues were fledgling. They were like, you know, in like a parking lot. They were in an enclosed space. I mean, it, it, it was. It was. That's how it is in, in a brand new community. And I very, very quickly realized that in order for us to be for it to be successful, we had to be in a shul. It couldn't just be a place where, well, I went to go I will go Davin Mincha here and well maybe I'll go Dav Marv here and on Shabbos I'll go here. And well I said no, we need for our family we need to have the assemblance, the shape and the and, and, and the the um the the effectiveness, so to speak, of a shul with a with a it could be simple, completely, that's totally fine, but it had to be ideally with, let's say, a rub of a shul and the place that I connected with. So, about the same time that we moved to Ramat Bichemesh, there was also uh, uh, someone who moved to Ramat Bichemesh and you, you've been to the shul, but someone called the Pizetz Nerebe, who's Kalman Menachem Shapiro, who, who his, um, just as a point of reference, his um, oldest brother is the Rav of the shul down the street of the bubble shul, so um, he moved there, and myself being at that point already very Hasidically inclined and interested in that, in that you know in that in that format, he you know being a Hasidic like a bona fide Hasidic rabbi, he was someone I connected very quickly with, and within about two two and a half years, he two three years excuse me three years. He said to me, called me up one day, said, listen, I'm ready to start the shul. I knew he wanted to start a shul. It was taking a, lot, a long time. Bottom line is, 
is that um, he started the shul and he asked if I would come and you know be part of it. I said, of course. So I went and we had a very nice Shabbos. It was Rosh Chodesh um, about 19 and a half years ago, Rosh Chodesh Elul. And we had that Erev Rosh Chodesh Elul, that Shabbos. And we thought it was just going to be a Shabbos minion because in those days, most of the minyanim in Ramah B'Chemosh were just Shabbos minion, minyanim. But as soon as Maher was over Motzah Shabbos, everybody looked at him and said, okay, what time is Shabbos in the morning, Sunday morning? So from that moment, it became a shul for, you know, like three tefillahs a, week, a day, seven days a week. And, I, and that's where I was. And very quickly, he asked me to, to help. And through different set of circumstances with a very, very short time, I became like the head, I became, I became the head Gabbai, let's just put it that way. Now, that brought me to a whole nother level. Remember what I said before about we needed to find a place where we could give? So now we really found a place we could, that we could give. Because when you're a Gabbai, and I'm just, I, don't, I don't just mean the Gabbai who we'll call Gabbai Rishon, the person who stands up at the bima and calls people up for aliyahs. That's not what I mean. I mean the Gabbai meaning you're doing tremendous amount of things behind the scenes. You have to all of a sudden wear all types of hats. You have to be, you know, like a, you have to be an accountant, you have to be a janitor, you have to be a psychologist, you have to be a social worker, you have to be all these different types of hats. But it was an amazing way to be able to give. And it was an amazing way to be able to use that part of me that wanted to give and to connect with people. So I want to leave you, and so the message I want to leave you with that, with, with, with saying this, this, this part of the story is that, is that always have a healthy, oh, you always, always, always maintain a healthy balance. A healthy balance between taking, so to speak, taking for yourself and giving. When we give, what, one of the things that's interesting that happens, I'm sure some of you already are experienced this, is when we give, it forces us, it causes us, it compels us to want to learn more. It, composes, it compels us to grow. So it's a beauty, it can be a beautiful upward like cycle that you're giving, it causes you want to learn more. And then that causes you to be, and, 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 and HaKadosh Baruch puts you in different situations that you can be able to share that with people and to give to people in that way. Um, I want to mention just on the, one other one other point, and I, and I see the time is, is uh, maybe I'm, I'm over my time a little bit, so I'm going to finish with this, which is that, is that one of the things that I've learned that has helped me, and Rabbi Hirschfeld alluded to this a little bit, when he said, is that right now you're in the yeshiva, you're in the yeshiva, and I would encourage you to be in the yeshiva as long as you can, as long that it's good for you, that you're growing in a healthy way. You know, when when, when I came to the yeshiva back in 1995, I remember Rabbi Shuren from Medrash Rachel. He spoke and he said, you know, people used to come to the yeshiva and we would say to them, well, how long do you want to be in the yeshiva? And they would say, Rabbi. I want to be here as long as it takes, as long as it takes. And I remember he said that, and, and, and that made an impression on me. I can't say necessarily maybe that I followed that entirely, but the point I want to, the point I want to leave, I want to, one of the points I want to share with you is that you guys are in, you're, you're young. And when I say that you're young, you might think that you have a tremendous amount of pressure that you have to go do this, this, you have to move on to this, you go do that. 
you, you, whether you, whether you stay in yeshiva for another year, how that will, in 40 years from now, I guarantee you that 20 years from now, I guarantee you that, that you will, you will be able to look back and say, you know, I really appreciated being in yeshiva the more time that I spent. Because now is the time for you to, to develop a really solid, healthy foundation. A healthy foundation about how you understand yourself. What are your interests? What are the things that make you tick? What are the things that you can give? What's the Torah that you enjoy learning the most? Because that Torah that you enjoy learning the most, I guarantee you, you connect with that, and that's going to propel you to learn even more, because, right, it's like, it's like a healthy element that's even having more of a stronger, more and more of an influence in, in, in a healthy way. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I entitled, and in the, in the last thing I'll say in it, and, and, you know, if anybody needs to leave, by all means, but if anyone wants to stay and ask me questions, I'm happy to answer questions. When I was asked um, by uh, Danielle uh, Ivry for the title, I wasn't planning on giving the talk a uh, title, but uh, when he asked me for a title, so I said something which has, which I have, which I've, I, I think back, think about a lot, which is I said that if you want people to listen to you, you have to care. They have to know you care, right? No one's going to listen to you if they don't think, if you want to say something to them, but they don't think you really care about you, if, if, if you're concerned that they don't really, maybe they don't, you don't know if they care about you, so you're not going to, you may not listen. But if you know, if you know that they really care, you're going to listen. Ah, so now you want to go and, you want to share something with somebody? You want to say something? So, so in order for you to care, because they're going to listen to you, you, so you have to care. How, how do you care? Because you, so that you care by listening to others. You care by first and foremost, listen. Listen to those around you. Listen to yourself. Listen to your rebellion. Listen. Just, just listen and then think. And really, really try to, um, when you're interacting with people, when you're, when you're, when you're going through your journey and, by the way, we're, we're always a work in progress. Don't forget that. We're always going to be a work in progress, no matter how old we are. But a major component to that work that we do is listening. Okay, listening to others. Because that will, like I said, that will allow them to realize that we care and they'll be interested to really, really hear what we have to say. And that's going to be, that's going to function well for you in everything that you do. In your, in your marriage, God willing, your professional life, in your communal life, everything. Okay. I, there's so much more that I can share. We have very, we have such a short amount of time, but I, but I hope that this has been helpful. Um, and I want to, uh, I want to open up for any questions if, uh, if, if, if there are any. I'm happy to, I'm happy to answer any questions. Good.